welcome to Unpack This. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach and founder of the holistic marketing method, Christy Pass. This is the podcast for e-commerce and product-based business owners who are ready to build internationally recognized, loved and sought after brands. Each week, we'll unpack ideas, concepts and strategies that will help you attract eyes, win hearts, drive sales and grow your wildly successful and profitable business. It is possible for you to become the must-have brand for your ideal customer, and I'm on a mission to show you how. I have helped my client three times their income in less than three months, supported them as they made their first sale, bought on their first employees, and as they began to outsource and scale their business. And I want all of this for you and more too. If you're looking for inspiration and actionable advice, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Unpack This. This is episode 55, and today I am sharing with you a solo episode, and I wanted to share with you a story about branding and positioning and really referencing a brand that I used to work with and how we completely repositioned that brand in the market, creating incredible results for that brand. Before we dive in, I want to chat a little more about branding and positioning. And I named this episode Branding and Positioning, Yes, It Can Be Make or Break. And I'm here to confirm that this is really not clickbait. (laughs) When I say that it can be make or break, I mean it. Failing to position your brand properly in the market, in the segment of the market that you want to sit and operate in, can be the difference between absolutely no sales and an early closure or creating a brand that generates six and six or seven figures in sales annually. Last week, I shared an Instagram post that said, you aren't too expensive, you're just attracting the wrong people. And this is the perfect example of having not effectively positioned your brand in the market. If people are telling you that you are too expensive, it is because you have not demonstrated the value of your product. There is often a misalignment between where you believe the product sits in the market and where the customer believes it sits. Now, we cannot control other people's thoughts and opinions. However, we can influence them. And within your marketing is where this should be happening. This is where it needs to start. Branding and positioning, which is largely really based, like positioning in particular, is really based on your reputation, but it starts with you. So if you sell, for example, a $400 jewel necklace and you are taking very average photos of that product with your phone, with bad lighting, average props, and doing not a great job at, you know, making the product look that great, you're not doing it any justice and you are uploading that image to social media or your website, do you think that someone who is looking for something relatively high-end, good quality, that loves a little taste of luxury is going to look at that and think, wow, that's for me? Probably not, right? It's more likely going to show up on someone's feed and have them thinking, this looks cheap. Is it worth it? What jewels are they? Are they real? This is fake. I am not paying that. Versus selling the same exact product, however, representing it in a beautiful high-end way. Great photography, great lighting, well-thought-out websites, strong branding and messaging that really resonates 
with the person that you have in mind as your ideal customer. Instantly, it changes someone's perception of the brand. Immediately, they think, wow, this is beautiful. What is, the bra- what is this brand? You know, what else do they have? Even though the product is exactly the same in both instances, the way in which the brand is portrayed by the brand owner largely influences how that product is perceived to the ideal customer. There is, of course, so much more to it. It's not just imagery alone or a great website that will do this. There are so many elements that go into it, some tangible and some more intangible, but both equally important and they need each other to really thrive. Which brings me to the story that I really wanted to share with you today, which really dives into how we completely repositioned a brand in the market. This is when I was working in more like the corporate world. So the brand I won't actually name, however, I will tell you it was an eye, an Australian eyewear brand. And this is a very top level view of what we did to reposition that brand. So the brand is, as I mentioned, it was an Australian brand born in the late 70s. And when it launched, it was sold predominantly in pharmacy. It was really towards that entry-level price point, obviously sold in pharmacy. It was not luxury at all. It was more fun, casual, beachy, more that entry-level price point. When I started working with this brand, They were predominantly stocked in surf and streetwear type stores, department stores, that lower end fashion retail product sat sort of around the $39 to $59 mark. Now, when I had started, it had already been decided that they wanted to introduce a line of higher priced styles using more premium finishes and they wanted to have more of a fashion focus. However, with the brand and the positioning sitting where it was, introducing a line of higher quality, more expensive products probably wasn't going to do them any favors because that's what not that's not what people went to this brand for. It wasn't how they were known. People weren't necessarily willing to drop, you know, more money on their items. And so we needed to focus on repositioning the brand. So I want to walk you through kind of a step-by-step of what we did, what we went through to reposition this to help give you a better idea of some of the things that you can do to better position or cement your position within your chosen market. So step one for the brand was really looking internally. What did the branding look like? And we looked at this like from a visual point of view as well, what people saw. So The logo went through the tiniest little revamp, and I'm talking like no color change, no font change, no major change, just a couple of tweaks that made it look a little more modern because it hadn't been updated for a really long time. We upgraded all of the packaging and everything that went out with the items. So the swing tags, you know, everything, the packaging that the actual sunglasses were in, everything got a little bit of an upgrade so that it felt and looked a little more expensive, a little bit more high end. If we were going to move there, if that's where we wanted to go, the things that we were releasing needed to have that feel. So that's really where we started. And these are, like I said, it was pretty minor, but it's something that instantly, you know, when you get this product after you've placed an online order, this is first impression. So this really needed to look and feel good as well. 
The next thing that we did, knowing that, you know, if we wanted to come into the market and tell people now, this is where we sit, this is who we are, this is what we look like, and this is what we do. You know, we first and foremost need to almost control that narrative. We need to lead the way. We need to show people where we're going. And so what we actually did was create a campaign. So we hired a photographer, a stylist, some great models, and we created this campaign. And what we did was we made it look really luxurious and high-end. Our references were high-end brands. So even though this was an under $100 product, we still wanted it to sit there alongside the luxury brands. So that's really, really what we aimed for. And then everything that we produced from that had to sort of have that same look and feel. So when we came into producing the lookbooks, you know, we made sure that we picked really high quality, glossy stock so that it kind of felt like picking up a copy of Vogue or Harper's or something like that. It, we wanted it to look like that high-end editorial. So we really put a lot of time, energy, and effort into creating this image for the brand that looked really high-end, that made the product look more expensive than what it was, that really made us look like we sat alongside those luxury brands, that really gave off this feel of who we were and what we stood for, even though the product was still under $100. The focus was really on projecting this luxurious lifestyle. We really leaned into that, you know, summer in Sydney on the harbour, crystal clear blue waters, you know, that bronzed, glossy, dewy skin. Like we really went there and that really formed the basis for the brand campaign at the time. Once we had all these assets and we had done that, we had actually decided that PR was going to be one of the biggest drivers for us. We were going to use PR to help us reposition this brand. So obviously we were in the fortunate position where we could hire a PR agency. So initially we started with one in Sydney and what we were really focusing on doing was things like editorial, fashion editorial. We really wanted to be part of the get the look for less. You know, when they do, you know, you'll see a celebrity or someone styled in a magazine and then it will say get the look and it will list the exact products that that person is wearing. And then there's often the get the look for less, which shows sort of similar styles or things that, you know, kind of have the same look and feel, but they're at that more affordable price range. So that's really what we wanted to do. That's really where we wanted to go, where we wanted to sit. We weren't Prada, you know, we weren't Gucci and we knew that. We just really wanted to be that get the look for less. We were high quality, but we were still in that more affordable price range. So that's really what we went for. In addition to that, we had quite an assertive or aggressive gifting campaign as well that we were running. So we used to give away quite a bit of product to celebrities, to musicians, to, you know, influencers and content creators and things like that, um, that we would hope would use our product in their content or perhaps would wear them on stage or be photographed with them, that sort of thing. So that was really where our focus was. We also then moved into PR throughout New Zealand. 
the UK and the US. And that was really the focus because we were, we were a global brand. Um, but we, you know, the brand was doing well, but it wasn't doing anywhere near as well as what it is now. So that was really our focus was PR across the world. We, you know, pushed the campaign. We wanted people to see, you know, who we were. We really leaned on that Australian brand. Um, you know, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is where the product sits. You know, we really, really pushed that hard. As I mentioned, we have we had quite an assertive gifting program, um, which can be a little bit spray and pray because you really never know if the product's going to be worn. You don't know if it's going to be picked up and if you if it's going to be used. However, all of this work resulted in the brand being featured as we'd hoped in magazines like um, Vogue, Harper's, InStyle, Marie Claire. Both in, uh, both in Australia and internationally. On top of that, our gifting program seriously paid off when we had celebrities Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Rihanna, Gigi Hadid, Kendall Jenner, all photographed wearing our product. Being featured in these magazines, having these incredible celebrities wear the brand all coupled with the high-end brand assets that we had created and distributed, resulted in styles being completely sold out for months. We had inquiries coming in from everywhere. Now, remember, this was a brand that started in pharmacy and is now stocked at stores like Nordstrom, Selfridges and Net-A-Porter. So it really, really helped to catapult the brand and its status, and it moved it into that fashion arena, which was what we were always aiming for. All of this was possible because we had a strong branding and positioning strategy that was very thoughtfully executed. If we hadn't done the work internally first, if we hadn't taken the first step to really influence people's perception of the brand, the rest might not have followed. We had a relatively small Facebook advertising budget that we ran beside this. However, most of our sales came via wholesale or direct. Social media was definitely part of the strategy. However, I would say it was more the support act. You know, we shared campaign imagery, user-generated content. We shared press coverage that we were getting. Um, however, it was really used to amplify what we were already doing. This all continued. These high-end fashion looking shoots became the brand's new normal. And this was where the brand now sat and how we wanted to represent. We then also went on to use collaborations to help us reach new people, create new designs, you know, do all these incredible things and to help us cement our position in the fashion market. One thing that you will notice, I think, in here when I talk about this is that the strategy really was so simple, but it was executed really well. And everything that we did had so much intention behind it. We knew where we wanted the brand to sit, how we wanted it to fit into the market and how we wanted to be perceived and thought of by our ideal customer. 
And so everything that we did supported that and came back to that. Now, this brand has a budget. You know, we hired PR agencies in four cities in four different company um, countries to help us get the reach and the growth that we did. And I'm absolutely not saying that you need to do exactly this. What I am suggesting or advising is that when it comes to your brand, you really think about who you are, where you sit in the market and what you need to do to support that. If you're finding that you really haven't established your position, if you are attracting the wrong people, if you are being told that you are too expensive, it is time to get back to basics. Come back to the the brand foundations and do this work first. More content on social media without the foundational work is not going to lead you to the results that you want. So please come back to this. Create your own branding and positioning strategy and work to execute this and you will see your sales skyrocket. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're ready to go where other business owners haven't been brave enough to venture, excited to try something new and grow your business in a way that feels fun, easier, and more ethically aligned, my one-on-one coaching and support might be just what you're looking for. And I'd love to support you as you grow an internationally recognized, loved, and sought-after brand please head to my website, www.christypask.com to find out more about working with me or head on over to Instagram and send me a DM. You can find me at Christy Pask. And a huge thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Unpack This. If you're enjoying the show, I'd absolutely love for you to please leave a five-star review. Your support means the world to me and will help others discover this show. And of course, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode.